welcome to the Hope Collective Online. My name is Robin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us here this morning. If this is your very first time, we are so glad you decided to spend some time with us here today. In fact, to celebrate, we just want to make a donation in your honor to one of our Community Hope partners. Just follow the instructions on screen or in the chat to choose which of our partners you'd like your donation to go to. So thank you so much for being here. As our guests are helping us give generously, we wanted to say thanks to those who give on a regular basis to the Hope Collective. Your generosity is so much more than just keeping the lights on or our live stream going. It's what helps us continue to be a center of hope in our community. So thank you for living like generosity is our norm so we can share hope together. Well, coming up, we are going to hear a message from our lead pastor, Dave, and right after that, we're going to have a time of reflection and worship with Alex and our team. But first, I just wanted to share a little story with you guys. Recently, Trinity International girls soccer team, who also attends the Hope Collective, was forced to quarantine due to a positive COVID test. Now, most of these girls are out of state and don't have parents or families here to care for them, and that can be kind of scary. So we decided to step in. I think personally, quarantine was just really difficult because of the isolation. Um, it just got very lonely especially like we were in our own room with like me uh lauren and our other two roommates and even then it was like you're with people we were with people 24 7 for 14 days straight but like there was just like a deep-rooted loneliness by not being able to like do things like go outside kind of just like go get coffee talk to people that weren't here face to face like we could be surrounded by each other all day and like there was still like a, a sense of loneliness that was just like inescapable. I personally am not a homebody. Um, so it made me feel trapped. Um, I, I don't like being at home too much, um, but it did help me slow down and yeah. make me realize that my life, I've been going 100 miles an hour for the past four years and I think it finally gave me the opportunity just to stop and regroup a bit. Although everything was going around me still. Yeah, I think it was definitely a time to just kind of like sit back and be like, we needed this. <laughs> we needed a little like a break almost. When you can't do anything for 14 days and you don't realize how long 14 days is going in, you're like, oh, two weeks <laughs> and like we went into quarantine and our tree outside our window had all its leaves and we left quarantine and there were no leaves so like it's a long time it's a long time there's definitely moments of just absolute pure kindness mm -hmm. that made me almost want to cry yeah <laughs> um moments that churches families our own families they made bags for us and everything that us as a individual loved that our family knew and then people like the Hope Collective bringing us bags and it was just it melted my heart and made me realize that we're not alone yeah. and that there is kindness out there and it's true like biblical love hope and kindness that sometimes we fail to see because we're focused on ourselves, and especially in this time of like a pandemic where it is a worry for your own personal health and I'm not demeaning what the people felt because that is scary 
but um, I think it helped us realize that there, there is hope and then there is beauty still in the world and there's kindness and that was really reassuring and it just melted my heart, honestly. I think we reached a point where like those little gestures and acts of kindness like changed everything because if it wasn't for that, like it would have been very easy to kind of like I don't know, lose it, <laughs> lose it almost. I don't know. Yeah, it was the, especially like the Hope Collective bringing us like happy things, stickers, water bottles, t-shirts, things that just like boosted our spirits while still reminding us that like we're loved by people outside of our Trinity community. We're loved by people in God's community, which was huge. In a time of uncertainty and what seems like chaos, remember that an act of kindness can go a long way. Ask yourself, how can I make a difference in the areas that God has placed me and just see what God will do through you? As a church, we have another amazing opportunity to give to those in need, especially during the holiday season. Now, some of you may remember for the last several years, we've done something called the Giving Tree. We bought gifts and blessed families within our food pantry. This year, we're doing something a little different and we are asking for your help as we look to purchase $225 gift cards. These cards will be given to our food pantry parents and senior citizens, and this will allow them to buy the gifts and be seen as the heroes this season. If you would like to purchase a gift card today, text THCO to 77977 and select Food Pantry or follow the instructions that your service host provides. Thank you so much for bringing hope this holiday season. Well, that's all I've got for you today, and I'm going to send it over to our lead pastor, Dave Mudd, for today's message. And again, thank you so much for being here. We hope you have a great day. Again, I wanna take this opportunity to just say thank you for making Hope Collective Online a part of your Sunday or a part of your week. This is the opportunity we have as a church, as a leadership, to come together and share vision and share the love of Jesus with one another and share truth. And I understand we live in a day, in a cultural moment where man, it's just hard to be looking at a screen. And so the fact that you do this and you continue to do this um, is just absolutely incredible. And so thank you for doing that. Last week, as we led into an election week, I invited us as a church to posture ourselves in love. Now, I'm actually sharing this moment with you on Friday afternoon. And so when you listen to this on Sunday, things may have happened that aren't true today, but we find ourselves today with a lot of uncertainty. And yet in the midst of all of that uncertainty, I need you to know that as believers who love Jesus, we can have a posture of love for each other, love for this world that comes from our love for God. And so last week, as we talked about this posture, it was the command that Jesus gives us. Now, here's what's crazy about that. It's hard for us at times, especially as as people, as Americans, to be told what to do. We don't like that. Um, that, that speaks to our humanity, it speaks to our flesh, and yet Jesus comes and speaks in this moment to his disciples 
to followers of Jesus who will believe after he is gone. That's us. And we have stepped into this family and Jesus is saying a new command I give you. Like this is not a choice we have as followers of Jesus. It's a choice we have to do it or not do it. But as followers of Jesus, this is an expectation above expectations that we would love each other as Christ has loved us. And that love for us is incredible. It is absolutely beautiful. I have to tell you, as I've just been processing my relationship with Jesus in these last eight months, I am falling in love with Jesus all over again. The goodness and greatness of God, what he has done that gives me this hope and this peace and this joy in the midst of so much that is trying to destroy that. I just love him. And I pray that for you. I pray that you would know the love of Jesus in every area of your life and that that would overflow to everyone you meet, everyone you come in contact. Matter of fact, the legitimacy of our faith actually depends on our ability to love God, love who he has made us to be and love others. Our legitimacy, the legitimacy of our faith depends on it. Galatians 5, 6 says, the only thing that counts that strong language that we're hearing from Paul as he speaks to the Galatian church where there was persecution happening and there was all kinds of things coming at the church like it is today. Paul says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Through love. The love we talked about last week. This love that is, un, it's, it's as I have loved you, love others. It's this unconditional love, this agape love that we actually can only express in this world because we have the Holy Spirit at work in us. That no matter what people say and do, though boundaries at times have to be set, we can lean back in with unconditional love. It's sacrificial love. It comes with forgiveness. It's crazy. It's radical that in this time, no matter the outcome of this election, we get to love each other with a Jesus kind of love. We get to love this world. How can we afford to do that? How can we afford to love people the way Jesus loves us? And I just have to say it, and you gotta hear it. It's hope. I know we talk about it. Matter of fact, it's the identity that we are continuing to lean into and our name is only catching up with who we are and setting the stage for who we are coming, becoming, but it actually affords us the opportunity to love the way Jesus loved because hope is a confident expectation of a better tomorrow based on who's leading our country based on what party is in control or not, based on if God is doing what I think he should do, based on if I'm getting my way or I'm not getting my way or things are going the way that I thought they should go and God's not living in the box that I put him in, that's hope. No, it's actually not even close. Hope is a confident expectation of a better tomorrow based on the character of God, which never changes no matter what's happening in our culture and the promises of God that are yes, yes. God says something, he does it. He follows through. He is faithful no matter what. And he is amen.
so let it be. Those promises are yes and they are amen. Let them be because they are. That's this hope that we have and it's absolutely powerful and the gospel is, is the hope of the world that Jesus comes and said, I, have, I am making all things new. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe that that's a really good thing to be part of because it takes us out of this world as aliens and strangers and we just get to live differently in this world. And they're going to know we're his, by the way. We love each other. And they're going to want to be part of that. Because we don't see that. The gospel is just disruptive because it comes into a culture where love is based on um, emotions. And it's based on, on whether you love me back. And it's selfish. And it's fleshly. And, it's, and it's, the gospel comes in with this love that is sacrificial and unconditional and with forgiveness. And it's eternal. It lasts forever. One step deeper into this loving each other and what that might look like and cost is what I want to talk about. I want to take it one step deeper if we can. What does it look like when, when we're called to love as he loved us and we actually step into that knowing that we can't do that in our strength, but the Holy Spirit can lead us. And, and I have to say this, and I want you to hear my heart. I've said this before, but man, God is doing amazing things in and through this church. I, I can't speak to what he's doing in other churches, though, as I talk to my friends. Man, the church is under attack today in a lot of ways, and we need to be praying for her. She is the bride of Christ, and I love her. But this local expression of church, God is at work in mighty ways, and I know he is because the devil is pushing against like you, bringing attack after attack. And here's what we have said before, and I want you to hear this, and I don't know how much I can lean into it for you, but the relation, the attack always comes relationally. When the enemy leans in on the church, he attacks our relationships from the top down. And I just think as the church, we need to be aware and ready, knowing that God is doing amazing things, that he is setting our hearts right before him, that he is doing deep work in the inner parts and freedom is coming and we want to lean into this world that doesn't know the love of God and bring that love of God and the enemy hates that we would not only get to experience it ourselves but that we would actually bring it to the world and change the mindset the world has about God because of how we live and act with each other the enemy hates that and so he is going to attack us relationally and we cannot allow that we must lean in and say hey I don't care what it takes we're going to love each other through this Hebrews 10.34 is where God directed me this week. This is um, something that we need to see why this is here and what it has to do with our life. Why is Hebrews 10.34 in Hebrews? And you, you, as you read this, you have to understand that there were Christians who were imprisoned for, what, for their faith. For what they believed. I mean, Christianity hasn't always sat under a banner of freedom. Matter of fact, most of history, it has sat under a banner of persecution. And that's what was true about what's going on um, for the writer of Hebrews is that Christians were imprisoned and others um, that loved Jesus made the hard decision to identify with them and risk their property, what they owned, and their lives. So, that's what we're, we're leaning into when we, we read Hebrews chapter 10, 34. Verse 34 tells us what happened. You suffered along with those. This is 
This is the writer of Hebrews speaking. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. I want to read with you, if I can, what comes right before that in verses 33. Starting in verse 32, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering in the same ways. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you because you fought for them, because you loved them in the midst of that, because you put yourself shoulder to shoulder with them. When all you owned was taken, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. This is the kind of life that the whole book of Hebrews is aiming to produce in followers of Jesus. A life that looks at the high price, the high cost of love. The seizure of their property and some of them abuse and calamity, and, and that may become true for us. That we love one another so much that when persecution comes to one, we step up and stand with and persecution comes to us. When oppression comes to one, we step up. What does it say? What does the people of God need to do? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. That we would stand for those who can't stand for themselves, no matter what we think or believe. Mm. This is the kind of life the whole book of Hebrews is aiming to produce and then accepts the possibility joyfully that persecution may come and does what love demands no matter what. That's the life Hebrews is aiming at. All the truth we see about Christ in Hebrews, giving himself once for all as a final sacrifice for our sins, perfecting us for all time by a single offering, giving us a clean conscience by his own blood, being our sympathetic high priest before God, interceding for us day after day in heaven. Can you imagine that, that Jesus does that for us? What love. Putting his laws in our minds and writing them on our hearts before being our God, remembering our sins no more. Promising never to leave us or forsake us. All of that is in Hebrew. All this great truth is aimed at making us into this kind of people. And I want you to hear this. People who risk property and possession and life in order to bring the love of God to others. People who do not look for comforts and ease and security as a necessary thing in life. Hebrews. People who are free from the American assumptions of style and safety and wealth and leisure, power and pleasure. People who know there is one life to live and only what's done in the name of Christ for the eternal good of another will count in the end. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. May we be that people. May we be that people. It's a risk-taking love. This love of Jesus that sacrificed for us. 
What verse 34 makes clear is that the way such a life comes about is by an unshakable hope in God beyond this life. The way this love comes about, the way this love manifests, the way we're able to live in this kind of love is that we understand the hope that we have today because of a confident expectation that God is who he says he is. I'm telling you, there's a reason God has us on this path of knowing the hope that propels us. Yeah, faith grounds us. It's our foundation and love is the definer of us today. But because we have hope, we get to love in a crazy way. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. You allowed whatever the world was going to do, whatever it was going to throw at you, you allowed it because you had this joy that your life wasn't invested here, but it's invested in eternity. And because God has your eternity, you can do what it takes today to let the world know that we will not compromise. We will not sit idle by but we will lean in and love each other and when we learn to do that well the world will know and we get to love the world in the process what does it look like to be a people that love each other with a sacrificial love because of this hope we have that allows us to risk it all to love someone to not feel like I have to be right but to understand why they are where they are to not have to fix anybody, but to lean in and hear the hurt and the pain of their past, to know that God loves them, to empathize with them, to sit in that and let the Holy Spirit bring truth, transformation of the heart. Aren't you sick of trying to modify your behavior just to simply make sure that you get to heaven just in case there is one because we don't want to go to hell? That we're tired of being bad and God mad when it's not even true. That when he looks at you, he doesn't see what's wrong but what's missing. And that it isn't about getting to heaven or not. It's about enjoying Jesus right now and falling in love with him in a way that cleanses you from the inside out and sets you free at the deepest places so that you can go into the world and love your brother and sister in Christ in a way that nobody gets and understands because it's so stinking radical. It's risk-taking love. The power to be joyfully sacrificial in the path of love is knowing that you have a better, better possession beyond the grave. I'll say that again. The power to be joyfully sacrificial in the path of love is knowing that you have a better possession, a better investment, a better treasure beyond the grave. If you don't live by this great confidence, this hope, you will be continually thinking about how much you are losing out every time you make a sacrifice for others. Do you think when Jesus was dying on the cross, he sat there going, man, I hope this is worth it. Gosh, I hope, I hope this, <laughs> I hope they get what I'm doing here. I hope they understand. No, it's it, with joy he endured the cross scorning its shame because he couldn't wait to lay it down so that you could pick it up for his honor and his glory, his cross, loving the world the way he loves you. The problem is, is we have so many things from the past that we continue to let affect our present because the love of Jesus and his forgiveness hasn't gotten that far. And the Holy Spirit wants to come and break down every wall. And he does it in the place of community. It goes beyond doing things together. 
It is simply being in his presence together. If you don't live by this great confidence, you will be continually thinking about how much you're losing out every time you make a sacrifice for others. But if this life is a brief preparation for eternal joy, if this life is just a brief preparation for eternal joy, a better of better and lasting possession, this life beyond the grave, then you are free to risk your life and your property and your possession and your security and your comfort and your safety in this world because as Paul said in Romans 8, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us, his kids. So the whole book of Hebrews is written to give foundation to the hope that is the foundation of a life of radical, risk-taking, unconditional, sacrificial, brought-with-forgiveness kind of love. Help us, Jesus. What more can he say than he has already said to help us have this hope so that we can live out this radical love? Do you know chapter 11, the verse right after where we're, where we're reading today? Chapter 11 is the answer. He can give us examples of people who have laid hold on the future reward of joy with God in such a way that it makes an incredible difference in their life right now. Oh gosh, I want you to get this. I don't live so that I have hope. I have hope, therefore I live. Gosh, church, if we could understand hope in that way, that the people of, of, of Hebrews chapter 11, the saints that have come before, understood that because of where they were going, for the eternity of their soul, they could live in this moment with unbelievable, radical faith and love because of their hope. What if that was true about us? That's what chapter 11 is. It's meant to deepen your confidence Confident expectation in God's promises, in his character, so that you turn from the fleeting pleasures of this world, the safety of this world, the security of this world, the power of this world of sin, and live out the radical kind of love that comes from having your hope in God. Jesus is our hope. I come against in Jesus' name. The Bible says whatever is bound on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever is loosed on earth is loosed. I come against the relational attack on the people of this church that is keeping us from being the church God has called us to be. In Jesus' name, I come against that and I bind that attack in Jesus' name. I just feel like we have to take authority right now over what the enemy is trying to do around the distraction of the great deceiver to keep us from understanding the goodness and greatness of God that he has for us in this life so that we can, because of our hope, reach this world. God, let it be. Let it be. Chapter 11 is meant to deepen your confidence in God's promises so that you can turn from the fleeting pleasures of this world and live out this radical kind of love that comes from having your hope in God. And so I read Hebrews chapter 11 to inspire your hope, to remind you of the depth of your faith and call you to a radical love. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. 
It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he has known as a person who he was known as a person who pleased God, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith for he was like a foreigner living in tents and so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. May that be true of us. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. There is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. Oh, church. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. May we agree with that. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could go have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he, was, he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his son Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given him an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. 
for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, Dave, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Oh, may we be that. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, that they would not reach perfection without us. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Why can we love this world, each other, unconditionally, sacrificially, with forgiveness? Because we have hope confident expectation of a better tomorrow based on the character and promises of God because of what's come before us. Proof. God is who he says he is. In these next few moments, as we take some time in worship, what does love require of you? It's a command, if you're a follower of Jesus, to love each other as Christ loved us. It's a command. So in these moments, where must love invade your heart? Where must love invade your relationships? Where must love invade this world? Through the time, talent, and treasure God has given you. Let's worship. Promises to me, and now I'm casting out. 
through in weeks and in moments like we're facing as a church, as a community, as a culture. We choose to be formed by one name and one name alone, and that is the name of Christ. So in these moments, as we sit with you, Jesus, would you imprint your heart on ours? Would you show us the way as we lift you up and put you first?
we want you to know that we are praying for you in this season, praying that you will know the love of God and that love will reach every part of your heart and life, that that love will be expressed to other brothers and sisters in Christ who love Jesus. The world will know us by that kind of love, that we will be able, because of the hope we have, to express radical love to each other, and that the world will see that, and we'll get a chance to meet their needs, and in meeting their needs, invite them into relationship where God makes a huge difference. There are so many ways right now to be involved and connected during this season of COVID and this cultural moment, we've actually not slowed down as a church. There's a lot going on here. I have said that before, I will continue to say that. And if you want to engage in that, let me give you a couple ways that you can know what's happening because we are gathering on Wednesday nights to pray at seven o'clock. We are helping people get into groups so they can experience biblical community. It is DNA. It is an opportunity to be known, to be transparent, to be held accountable, to be led by the Spirit into one another's life and journey. And we're fighting giants, the giants of injustice as a church in ways that we're excited about that you can jump in on. If you wanna know what that is, I would encourage you to do three things. Go to our website, thehopeco.com. Engage, find out what's going on. The other thing I would invite you to do is join us on social media, whether that's Instagram or Facebook. A lot of what we're doing is put out there. A lot of what we're communicating is put out there. We will also be doing a Monday um, newsletter that you can sign up for. I would encourage you, if you're not on our mailing list, to get on our mailing list. There's a lot of communication that's gonna come out that's gonna help you engage the Hope Collective, where we get to gather to glorify God. We get to group to grow and we get to go fight giants together because we're his church and we don't do this by ourselves. We love you. Thanks for joining us. May we know a faith that expresses itself in love.